We're going to look at a, a message that Lord laid on my heart uh, in a conversation that I had this past week with some individuals. And uh, I don't know, the Lord just laid it on my heart. And, and to be honest with you, church, I think this is what we're seeing not only in the Danville community, but all around our nation and around the world. Is what we're seeing. And it's found in this story in Matthew chapter number 14. And we're going to be looking and we're picking up the story in verse number 25. And I got this question that I'm going to ask, and it's the title of the message What are your eyes on? What are, you, what are your eyes on? And in verse number uh, uh, 25 of Matthew chapter uh, 14, it says, And in the, fourth, uh, the, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And verse number 26 says, And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Verse number 27 says, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. Now, I want to stop there. Isn't that comforting when you're in a little bit of trouble or whatever and you, and you don't know exactly what it is and, it's, and, and it's, it's something in the night. And all of a sudden, Jesus speaks to you. Be not afraid. Be a good cheer. Isn't that just, just comforting when, when Jesus says that? In verse number 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now Jesus being a man of who he is, being God in the flesh at this point, says these words. And he said, come. He didn't say, come on out here with a whole long sentence. He just looks at him and said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. But I want you to look at what the Lord's reply here. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? 2017, July the 23rd, redneck talk. Why in the world did you doubt me, boy? I'm God, and you doubted me. Now we got that cleared up. That way everybody understands what the Lord was saying there in verse number 31. Can you imagine just asking in a couple of sentences previous saying, Lord, if it's you, can I come? And he says, yeah, come on. He, the Bible says that he came down out of the ship and he walked on the water because a little bit of breeze picked up and a little bit of wave. You're walking on the water. What do you think you're going to have? You're, you know, it's going. Look, it's water you're walking on. 
And just because he got a little boisterous and got a little shaken, he got his eyes focused on something besides Christ and he went down. He went down. So now my question goes back to the sermon title. What are your eyes focused on? Church, let me tell you something. We, at this point in time, need to be focused on God more than we ever need to be focused on God. Amen. Right, go ahead and get a witness on that one. Amen. We need to be focused on God. Let me tell you something, church. I know for a fact today that all of us have some needs of some kind. Whether it be financial, whether it be work, whether it be uh, uh, medical, whatever it may be. Church, listen to me. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Amen? As Brother Larry said in his uh, Sunday school this morning, we're going to get to the meat and taters here in a minute. But church, I'm telling you, let me get this picture painted for you. Get clear. Fourth watch between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. We're taught that the darkest hour is just before the dawn. You can say amen right there. It's documented. Darkest hour is right before the dawn. Coldest hour that there is in the day has been recorded. Just before dawn is when it gets the coldest. That temperature drops like a rock. Jesus came a-walking on the water after He was done praying. That's where He had been. He told the guys on board the ship, He said, y'all go head on, I'm going to pray. He went to pray. And there, can you imagine now, we didn't ha now in this day and hour that we're in this today, we would have said, alright everybody, let's load up. And you got the people throwing the ropes off and all of a sudden you hear this motor crank up. Uh-uh. It was wind because it was sails and those oars oaring across the sea. Sea of Galilee, we all know, is known for violent storms because of where it's, it's positioned. But see, the thing of it is, though, church... Those storms are just storms of life. Y'all can say amen. We all got some storms of life going on at one time or another. But I like it because of the fact that any time that you see Jesus, because He didn't sleep much, you don't see much recorded of where Jesus slept, but when Jesus did sleep, He was on a pillow most of the time. He was getting comfortable. I've done some researching and trying to find places where Jesus slept. I found where Jesus wept, and I found a couple places where Jesus slept, but he was on a pillow. But our text verse is verse number 30. Peter taking his eyes off Jesus. And just like Peter, today, church, you take your eyes off Jesus, you will go down. You go down. We've seen that, you know, the, 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 another good story is about the Good Samaritan. He went, he, he, he was on there, and see that the Good Samaritan was on, when he got beat up, he was on the way down. He had got away from his church, he got away from the, 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 the Bible, he got away from the people of God, and see, he, he, when all these things happened, things started rising up against him. 
Shouldn't be, church. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. So I'm going to ask this question a third time. What's your eyes on? Number one, your eyes don't need to be on a preacher. <gasps> well, you're our example. You're the leader of our church. The Bible tells us in Psalms 118, verse number 8, it's better to put your trust in the Lord than put uh, confidence in man. Let me tell you something, church. I, I Look, right now, I do the flesh test. I'm in the flesh. Look, if you want to be brave enough to do it yourself, everybody in this room's in the flesh. Amen? I would never intentionally hurt nobody or say anything to hurt anybody. But let me just say this. If you're focused and the reason you're here this morning is because of a preacher, that's God. I'm telling you, you're here for the wrong reason. You need to get down to this old-fashioned altar and get your eyes focused on Jesus. Amen? I was talking to a preacher friend of mine. He's in the process of retiring. And he told me he, he gave the church his resignation where he would be retiring the, the, the first Sunday in December of, of, of this past year, 2016. And he told the church that the last Sunday in December of 2017 would be his last, his last Sunday. Church hadn't done anything. They said one of them, he said the reason they hadn't moved is because of the fact, moved forward trying to find him a preacher to take his place. He said, we'll just, if we don't do it, bless God, he'll hang around. He told the church, he said, if you don't go ahead and get things moving, he says, Labor Day Sunday, I'm out of here. He said, because that way he's, he, you say that sounds mean. No, what he's trying to do, he wants the church to move ahead. At 80 some years old, he's just trying to be smart. And help them. And so they've got things in gear now, bless God. And he said, that, and some of the people have come to him and told him, he says, preacher, when you're gone, we're gone. And he told him, he says, there ain't much faith there to begin with. You should leave, is what he told them. He said, your eyes ain't fo you shouldn't be focused on me at all. Your eyes should be focused on what God would have you to do. And I told him, I said, wow. And he says, brother... He said, that's where the church is. The church needs to be focused on Jesus. What's the church? It's not this building. No, the church is the individuals that come inside that are saved and redeemed and bloodwashed that just want to worship Christ. That's the church that Jesus bled and died for. Amen. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus, not on the preacher. Amen? It's like I told y'all just a second ago. Would never do anything to intentionally hurt any of them. Would never say anything intentionally to hurt any of them. Would never uh, do anything. But let me tell you something. I'm in the flesh, church. I'm in the flesh. And if I do something or say something wrong, bless God, look, come talk to me about it. Don't put it on the evening news and say, look, Fox News 8, preacher said something wrong in Danville. New, more to follow. Put cameras out front and all this stuff. It's the wrong thing to do. Amen? Somebody said the other day, they said preachers are the most unapproachable people that there is. And I told them, I said, that's not true. I told that customer of mine, I said, absolutely not true. I said, I told my church that God had given me that I would be, I'm available anytime that somebody needs to talk to them. All they got to do is let me know. He said, well, brother... Let me just say this. You're one of the few. Uh-uh. I hope I'm not. 
I hope there are more preachers out there that are approachable. Amen? Your eyes don't need to be on the world. Mm. Why don't your eyes need to be on the world? Well, church, let me just say something here today. I'm going to be as honest with everybody as I possibly can when I say this. The world has everything out there that's pretty, smells good, and looks safe. And it's nothing but a wolf in sheep's clothing. Amen. I seen a thing on uh, YouTube. I watch a lot of deer hunting videos on YouTube because these people killed these great big deer that I'll never have the opportunity of ever killing one, Brother Sam. I'm talking about, they look, Rudolph looked like he is just a young pup. This young girl comes in with a puppy in a cooler. Her daddy sees what it is, grabs it, the cooler slams the lid shut, runs outside in the yard, and just about the time it jumps out of the cooler, he shoots and kills this coyote. It was a coyote. A coyote now, you're saying, well, preach, that's nothing but a dog that's in the wild. You're exactly right. A coyote, well, you, you get him in a bind, you know what the first thing his uh, uh, element of defense is? He lays down and acts like he's playing possum, just like a possum does when you crowd a possum. That coyote, when he, you lay there, his eyes is focused on you. And you walk a little bit closer. He never takes his eyes off of you. And just about that time you say, Oh, look, he wouldn't hurt an ant. He got you. And he attacks you. And it's vicious. He's nasty. A buzzard won't eat a coyote. It's the truth. I've done it. Hey, it's the truth. That's something when a buzzard won't eat a coyote. It's because he stinks and he's nasty. That's exactly what I'm trying to get across to you this morning, church. This world is the same way and Satan has painted the picture to make it look beautiful for you to get your eyes off of Christ. That's exactly what's happened. I want you to look at the Scripture. What, the, uh, what, what Jesus says about the world. Matthew 24, verse number 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And it's written in red. Jesus spoke it. And not only did He speak it in Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 35, He spoke it three times. He also spoke the same words in Mark 13.31 and in Luke 21.33. He said these words. He says that the world... In heaven and earth, it's going to just pass away, which it's going to. We're going to get a new earth when the, in the book of the Revelation tells us. But he says that his words shall never pass away. Mm. And we stand and we sing what song? What a day that will be 
When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one that saved me by his grace. When he, when he takes me of all people by the hand and leads me through his promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be when we see Jesus. Amen. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning, we got to get our eyes off of people. We got to get our eyes off of the world. And we just simply need to keep our eyes casted upon Jesus. If we'll just keep our eyes on Jesus, let me tell you something. You're talking about this smooth sailing on life's troubled sea. We'll sail right on through. Oh, how sweet it is. I was watching up there in them heels, up there in them, when we went to see that great big rock with a hole in it. Eight dollars a person to walk down a quarter mile of steps to see this humongous hole in a rock. I thought to myself, wow. And they rigged it so when you drive across the top, it you don't even know you've done it. They don't even put no signs up or nothing. Then people would stand on top of the rock and look down at the hole that's in the rock. They don't want that. It was free if you do that. So I'm sitting down there in the bottom, and this one little young comes running up. Oh, Daddy, look! That Daddy was about excited to be in down there as I was. He says, what? And the young said, come look! And he says, what? It's a weird crab. I said it's a crawfish. You can see them in the mud and a little stream there. And I got to watching something. The breeze was blowing. It felt like a furnace. And I was like, man, this feels good. And all of a sudden I saw a butterfly. And it, it was a yellow butterfly. So I decided, I said, well, this is interesting. Way down here by a hole in a rock. Breeze feels like a furnace, and here's a yellow butterfly. So I watched, I started watching, took my eyes off the people, started watching the butterfly. That yellow butterfly started just fluttering and got on up, well, I don't know, probably 15 or so feet, and all of a sudden that breeze that was up, up there just whipped, wafted the butterfly, just went right on away. And I got to thinking about it when I was sitting there on that bench enjoying the furnace and the view of the hole of the rock, I got to thinking, is that how Jesus going to do me one day? Y'all with me? One day, am I just going to be one day running the weed eater, bless God? And all of a sudden, I'm just going to be carried away. I just got, it, like that butterfly. He was just floating along there doing butterfly things. And all of a sudden, the breeze called him and just carried him away. He went right on out of sight. Church, that butterfly don't even know who Jesus is. He got his eyes, was floating up there in the bushes, and floated away in the breeze. I got my eyes focused on Jesus. And I know where I'm going to float one day, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. My feet's going to meet, I leave this ground, and I'm going to meet Jesus in there. 
I, whether I'm dead or whether I'm alive. Either way, I'm still going to meet Him in the air. Bless God. It's a blessing to know that I'm focused on Jesus. Amen. If y'all notice, going back to that, uh, those three verses, y'all notice it's in the Bible three times and it's in three. And it's in three. That's the number of the Trinity. Any significance there? Y'all could say amen. Point number three. Your eyes don't need to be on the lust of the flesh. Mm. Maybe y'all didn't get that. Let me repeat what I just said. Your eyes don't need to be on the lust of the flesh. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Mm. Satan is behind all this. He's taken this and he's ran with it. And he's ran with it at a pace that is just mind-boggling. I can't conceive how he's took this and just ran rampant with this, uh, with the, with the, the, the lust of the flesh and the eyes and all these things that's going on. What do you mean, preacher? I'm glad you asked. Most people leave home three quarters naked. I'm going to step on some toes. I ain't doing it to be mean. I'm just saying, let me tell you something. When you walk over there to the mall, and I go in there, I only go to two places, Sears, well, I'll go three places. J.C. Penney's and that suit place. That man advertises suits in there. He ain't got no suits. He's got them for people that's like this. <laughs> I told him. I said, look, cuz. Come on. He looked at me and he says, what? I said, I'm pumped when I get cooked outside as hot as it is. He looked at me and he said, we ain't got no suits that side. I go over to J.C. Penney's and I, once in a blue moon I'll go to Belk's. But see, the thing of it is though, you have to kind of walk in a brisk pace because everybody in there has got shirts that are down to here and their shorts and skirts and all this other stuff they got on is up to here. Hey, Y'all can say amen. Let me tell you something. I didn't go to the store to see that type of stuff. Amen. I didn't go there to see that. I'll go to the store to get what I've got to get and get out. They think it's cool. Man told me over there in, uh, in Winston-Salem the other day, that his daughter came to him. Said, is it okay to wear it? And I said, my daughter did that one time. He said, what did you say back to her? I told her, if you got to come ask me, is it okay to wear it? I said, that tells me right there, you need to change it. Right. Amen? Amen? Oh, you're just a mean daddy. Yeah, that's what both youngins say that I mean. But bless God, let me tell you something. It's called standards. There's a time and place for everything. And when you go to the grocery store, amen, that ain't the time or place to leave home with, uh, and to get there and say, well, I forgot to get dressed, so I think I'll just go on in and get my bread and my uh, sandwich meat. That's what's happening. And then you got that other crowd, time to bust on the men, walking around, pants all, underwear all hanging out, everything, come up yonder dragging feet, man, I'm cool with my underwear showing. Exactly. 
I was looking at one another the other day. I said, I said, pull your pants up. Why? I said, because you look plumb dumb. That's why. You know what he did? He looked at me kind of funny. He said, who are you? I said, I'm one of them preachers that preach against mess like that. He looked at me and told me he wouldn't. And I said, tighten your belt. If they knew where all that come from, bless God, they wouldn't walk around with their underwear hanging out all this right here. Amen. Come out of prison. It's ridiculous. So I, I done what any other good Samaritan would do. I asked the police. I said, a policeman outside of the food line. I said, sir, can you give me the police's definition of indecent exposure? He said, sure, anything that's offensive to the public. I said, then why don't you arrest that uh, people with them pants pulled down? They're not doing anything. I said, they're offensive to this public. See, that's what I'm saying. You know what's happened? i tell you what's happened. This is what's happened, church. We have said it's okay. And we have kept silent. And we have not voiced our opinions to them. So you know what? It's okay. I had a man one time tell me. He told me, he said, he had a bad habit. And he come up there and he would just poke me right behind the neck. He'd do it four, five, six times a day. I worked with him. I told him one time, I said, you know something? I said, why do you do that? He said, see what your reaction will be. I said, okay. That's all I needed to know. I come into work the next morning and I had, I had borrowed my grandma's. She had a claw hammer that was a, a little one. It wasn't about that long. He poked me. Back in the neck. Morning, Ray. Morning. I'll call him Bill. I walked over there to my lunchbox. I opened it up and I got my grandma's little hammer and I walked back over there. I got right behind him on the elbow and went oh. right on the elbow cap. Ow! Oi! What'd you do that for? Just see your reaction. <laughs> Done poking. Done. See, here's the thing, sir. Here's where I'm going. We've said it's okay. What we need to do it's not say it's okay. Amen? Now, I wouldn't do it. I told, I told Cheryl that I, would, I, I, I ought to. Very skankly clad young girl comes into the McDonald's. I told her, I said, I wonder what they do if I come in dressed like that. Same outfit. Wonder what they say. I would tell you the reaction. Oh my goodness. My eyes, my eyes, I'm blind. <laughs> but see church, we, shouldn't, we should not say that it's okay when we know that it's not. We should take a stand. Look, let me tell you. Write your congressman. Voice your opinions. Let it be known that we're done. We're not going to take it no more. Christians, it's time we rise up. Amen. Number four. Going like this. 
your eyes don't need to be on nothing but Jesus. Why? Listen to these uh, verses here. Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with what things uh, as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Another reason is because of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen. Think about this when you think about truth found in Titus. In, in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Let me tell you that He gave us a promise before all these things began. It's found in His Word. He says, I'll never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. I am always with you. Keep your eyes focused on me. Keep your eyes focused on me. And there's one other one that we don't need to forget. What the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans, chapter 10 and verse number 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? I want, to, I want us to focus on something here for a second. If you're looking at the first word, in, in, in this one in Romans chapter 10 verse 13 it says for the first word in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2 in hope of eternal life now look at that first word though in okay down Hebrews 11 it says now in Hebrews 13 5 let all these words are calling words saying hey keep your eyes focused on me all these things are commandments. See, the Bible's wrote for us and it's wrote to us and these verses of Scripture is wrote to us for us to do, church. We just need to simply focus on Jesus. You know why we should focus on Jesus? He's got us. You know how I know that? Because he, the Bible tells us that He is the author and He is the finisher of our faith. I've told you all the story about Brother David Gibbs and that airplane over the state of Georgia. Y'all remember the story? And that one man in a wheelchair, they didn't even know it, but had him on radar. He says, I can't see you. Don't make no difference. The man was real calm on that radio. That radio said, hey, you can't see me, but I can see you. Amen? Now pull that rudder back. Turn that airplane a couple more degrees. Turn that airplane a couple more degrees. Lightning flashing, rain uh, raining, wind a blowing. And about that time, he says, "Now look up on your horizon, and what do you? And tell me what you see." I see red lights a glowing. He said, "Yeah, slow down." What do you see now? Tell me. I got you. I got you. He says, "See, I see them green." And them yellow lights. And he looked at him and he said, Bring it home. You hear what that man told him on the radio? As calm as he can be. I got you. That's exactly what Jesus is saying to us. He said, Keep your eyes focused on me and don't worry. I got you. 
How do I know that? Look at what these verses of Scripture say us when we study them and when we look at them. We see all throughout the Scriptures that, that He has got us. We just need to simply trust Him. The songwriter wrote these words, Trust and obey, for there's no other way. But you know what we don't do? We don't obey. So that's the reason we don't have no trust. Y'all can say amen. We just need to look. You know what faith is? It's believing in something that you ain't never seen. Let me tell you something. I've never laid eyes on Christ, bless God, brother Sammy. But I'm going to tell you what. I know that He's there. You know how I know He's there? He lives within my heart. I'm going to tell you something, church. If He lives within your heart, then you know something? You might just want to just let it out and say, Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done. You may be here this morning and you say, well, preacher, my eyes is focused on other things. Then glory to God, there's an altar right here for you to focus on. Let me help you out. Straightway. Amen? I was telling them that I sat in the church. One night they had put extra chairs out. Brother Ronnie, all I had to do was lift my hands and rock like this, and I'm on the altar. It was the best seat in the house. The preaching got on in there. They had the altar call. I just lunged. I like a walrus. But let me tell y'all something, though. Sweetest place I know. Right here at this old-fashioned altar. So I'm going to give you this in closing. Church, have you cast your eyes on Jesus? Have you looked and tried to find and catch a glimpse of His marvelous face? If you will, things of this earth will grow so strangely dim. You just need to cast your eyes on Jesus. You don't need to cast your eyes on man. Man will let you down. You just need to be simply have your eyes focused on Jesus.